not exactly word for word, but very close. Close paraphrase. Psalm 78, and this is sung to the tune of, I have the tune in my head, but I just forgot the title of it. Um, Encamped along the hills of light, the Christian soldiers rise. Faith is the victory. So we know that tune, and that's the tune that this song is set to. You have the lyrics? Oh, yes. Everybody should have a sheet. Uh, Matthew, make sure everybody gets one over there. Okay. It doesn't have a chorus. Is it? Okay. Just play the tune of. Uh, play the tune from the song. Okay. If I sang through the words. <laughs> fits well with the testimonies. There's a, there's a broad range. There's a broad range of testimonies here uh, in just our small group tonight. Um, but all of us seem to be saying almost the same thing, that even though some really bad things have happened and some very good things have happened, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And the reason it is well with my soul is because of what verse 2 says. Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. And verse 3 says, My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Think about these lyrics as you sing this good song tonight. <clears throat>
Good songs. High songs. Good songs. Alright, this is a rare time I'm going to admit to you that I have no idea when you'll get out of the Bible study tonight. Usually I think, well, there's something good for somebody. Tonight is, I don't know if it's going to make any sense to you at all tonight. It's going to be just the Bible truth. But I'm not sure if this is going to be for any one of you where you say, oh, that was really what I needed tonight. So, having said that, I'm preparing you for um, just a straight, simple Bible study, and it's about wisdom and truth, applying the truth, having wisdom to know how to apply truth. So, it is not going to be a Bible study where you feel good about it. It won't be something you feel bad about it. It'll be just almost academic, just truth, just the facts. And so, I don't know where... It will apply to you tonight but I want to talk about how you should apply truth to different situations you need to have some wisdom when you know the truth now do you know what the Bible believes or teaches uh, do you know what you believe it's important to know what the Bible says so that you know what to believe what it reveals uh, it'll affect someone's life your life 
uh, now for sure, and it'll affect your eternity later on, that's for sure. Everyone's affected by the Bible, whether they realize it or not. And so you need to know what it teaches, what it, what it says, what God has revealed. For example, uh, is the Bible the Word of God, the final authority? Yes. Is the Bible going to teach you about the nature of God, the Trinity, the Godhead? Yes. Do you know what you believe about those truths, those doctrines? The nature of man, sin, salvation. By faith, do you know what that Bible says about these important truths? Uh, Jesus Christ, we talked about him, of course, uh, because it's Christmas time. We just finished up having Christmas service here. What a good service it was. What a good bunch of music we put together. Francis did a very good job, and those who participated did a real good job as a blessing everybody. So what do you know about Jesus Christ? What do you believe about his virgin birth, his sinless life, his death, his resurrection? His rapture, the second coming. Do you know what the Bible says about these things? You should know what you believe. And the place of Israel and the church. Tongues, miracles, signs, and all these matters. Do you know what the Bible says about these things? In times, is the Lord going to come back? Do you know what the Bible says about these things? Well, you should know what the Bible says, and you should believe what the Bible says. Now, uh, the Bible says that there's a thing called doctrine, and doctrine is another word for teaching. Listen to the verses here. Write them down if you can. 1 Timothy 4.13 says this. Till I come, give attendance to reading. Give attendance. You ever show up for school and your hormone teacher says, all right, it's time to take roll call. I want to take attendance. Show up. Give attention. Uh, attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. What is doctrine? Doctrine is another word for teaching. There are teachings in the Bible that are true, and there are teachings in the Bible that are revealed to be not true because someone taught it in a wrong way. So doctrine is teaching, and everyone teaches a doctrine. It's a matter of, is this true doctrine or is it wrong doctrine? Doctrine is teaching. Uh, Paul told Timothy, his business as a pastor was to teach doctrine. Now, in Titus chapter 2, verse 1, I'll just run through the verses here. Titus 2, verse number 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. So the charge to Timothy and Paul's charge to Titus was to make sure that when you stand up to speak, you teach the right thing, you teach the truth, you teach sound doctrine. Now the word sound is to describe the doctrine. Sound doctrine. You have uh, something that is sound. When something is sound, it is not without uh, it, it doesn't have flaws in it. Uh, something sound is definition entire, unbroken, not shaky, not defective, as in sound lumber, sound timber. It's strong, it is good, uh, undecayed, not bruised or defective, as in a sound limb. Not L-I-M, but L-I-M-B. Limb, okay? Uh, as in your tooth is sound. We have to cut that tooth out because it's not sound. No, we leave that tooth alone because it is still sound. It's still good. The roots are good and so on. A sound body and sound mind. Whenever someone signs a document that is going to surrender his assets or his whole property, everything that he owns, sometimes there's a question if this guy did it under duress. Sometimes there's a question if that person was forced to do that, to sign this document, to give away everything that he has. It's supposed to go to his wife, it's supposed to go to the, to the, the eldest child and so on. But... This will says it's going to go to who? Who? What? It's going to go to a friend he just met six months ago? What? It's not going to go to your wife? It's not? What? Did you sign it under duress? Were you forced to sign this? Was there a gun pointed to your head? Did you do this because you were crazy? Were you, were you high? They don't ask the question. Were you of a sound mind? Were you in your right mind? <laughs> So the word sound doctrine has this strong sense of doctrine that is good, that is good teaching. Sound body, sound mind. Uh, and so uh, this is what Paul uses to describe good doctrine. It's sound doctrine. And so sound doctrine, sound teaching is really, really important for a church to teach and for people who say that they're Christian to teach it too. 1 Timothy 4, 6 says this. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And what Christian who is a preacher does not want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ? Well, to do that, he says, you have to be nursed up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, wherein thou hast attained. 
he says in verse number 16 of that same chapter, 1 Timothy 4, he says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. Stay with the truth. Stay with sound doctrine. In so doing, or for in doing this, thou shalt have both save thyself and them that hear thee. So he's saying two things here. Sound doctrine. He says, Timothy, sound doctrine will save you, the pastor. It will save your flock. How does sound doctrine save the pastor? Well, if he knows what the Bible says and sticks to that, he will always use that as the barometer to check things out. He uses it as his ruler, as his guide, to measure things against it rather than him going by every 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 uh, whim that comes by, every fad that comes by. He would just stick to what the Bible says, and he would save himself from chasing rabbits, chasing cockroaches. You ever chase cockroaches? They're hard to catch. And uh, unless they get cornered, and then they tease you, make fun of you, because they're just nasty creatures. And so uh, you won't be going after false doctrine. You'll save yourself. And then he says, them that hear thee. So when, when Paul tells Timothy, uh, it'll save you if you know sound doctrine, if you teach it, and also your people will be saved from error. Sound doctrine will save people from going after error. Let's keep going here. Um, Save from false teachers and false doctrine. First Timothy 1.10 says this. First Timothy 1.10. For whoremongers, yikes, for them that defile themselves with mankind, oh no, for men stealers, for liars. I picked up a Chinese, two Chinese ladies and two Chinese boys, about eight and nine. They were really bad. They got into the before they got into the car. They're running out in the street by the airport as if they're released from a kennel. <laughs> and I said, hey. And the, the mom, I guess, called for the boy to come and the boy just sassed the mom. <sighs> and I said to the kid, I just says, you know, I said, hey, you don't behave, I'm going to leave you over here. I'm not going to take you to the airport, to the hotel. He said, you liar. And I felt like... <laughs> Uh, liars, I was called a liar for perjured persons and if there be any other thing that is contrary against sound doctrine see, so Paul warns about people who teach false doctrine, he warns people to stay away from them, uh, Ephesians 4.14 tells us this there's a warning of false teachers and false teachings that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro that shows that children can be unstable. They're not sure of anything yet. Very, very. They're not very firm about things, and so they can be easily persuaded about different things. Um, there are some really evil people in this world, and they will try to kidnap children, even in public places. And so, uh, when a, when a child is offered by a stranger, "Hey, you want some ice cream? Here's ice cream. You want some ice cream? What's the kid going to say? Sure. You want some candy? The kid's going to say, sure." And so he said, come, I'll give you one. And the boy begins to believe the, the stranger and walk toward a car and they'll get kidnapped. And so caught, caught off guard, taken captive. There are some people who are like that when it comes to doctrine. Uh, we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Kidnapped, kidnapped. Carried about with every wind of doctrine, all kinds of doctrines by the slight of men. That's deceiving people. That's people that are deceptive. That's people who are evil. Mm -hmm. Their intent is to deceive, to capture someone. By the sight of men and cunning craftiness. Think of that word, cunning. Think of slight. Think of the devil, who is subtle, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Now, from verse number 14 in Ephesians, that chapter, you get a strong feeling, and it's intended for you to get the strong feeling that there are people who teach the Bible, they believe, they think, but they're corrupting it, they're changing it, and they're twisting it, and so they're making it so appealing to people so that they can trick them. Now, the way you trick people who believe the Bible is by teaching things that's almost the Bible, but it's not quite the Bible, and you add things to it, you take things from it, and pretty soon you have a captured victim. You have someone who is a Christian, Christians can be deceived, and they believe the Bible, but then, did you know that the Bible really says this? Did you know this is not what the Bible really says? It says really this? Yes, it does. 
It says you must endure to the end if you are to go to heaven. Oh, you know, and all kind of false teaching. And so there are people who are like that. They deliberately deceive people and they, they twist people and they hurt people and they turn away from the faith that they once believed. Now, I have been kind of fascinated with animals of prey, the big cats, lions, tigers, uh, not zebras, but uh, <laughs> not giraffes, but uh, animals that are like that, that are carnivorous, of course, and they, uh, they live to eat. Polar bears live to eat. Polar bears, grizzly bears, they are, they're, when they're hungry, nothing's gonna stop them from getting you or fish or salmon. And so uh, when you think about the African reserve that are controlled as far as how many uh, you, can, you can hunt and so on, you have lions, cheetahs, etc. Uh, they are very careful when they go for a drink at a, at a body of water, a pond or something after rain. They're very careful when they go down to drink. If you watch a leopard, which is a predator, a cheetah or a lion, which they go after their prey. If you watch them when they go to the water, when they drink, they're very careful about that. They go very, they go like this, watch. They go down like this. Well, while they're licking, lapping water, they do this, watch, watch. So like that. You know, they're looking for something. What are they looking for? There's something in that river. There's something in that little lake that you may not see. And they're going like that. You might see a little bubble on the top of the water. You see little, look like little eyes like that. And when they're getting their water, they're always careful. They're ready to move quickly away from the water's edge because there are things called alligators. And they're very sensitive to motion and they come up to where they see motion and they wait and they wait and they wait until they feel like the lion, the cheetah or the giraffe or the zebra what about hope they're very they get careless they're so thirsty just drinking water all of a sudden they just now they move so fast these alligators so fast you have to slow it down to see how fast they are and then go for the head and then they'll pull that animal into the water and they'll they'll do that little twist thing that roll around kind of thing it's really crazy and you see that and you say oh man that that predator becomes the prey of the other predator <laughs> it's really a cycle of life of survival of the fittest and i have seen leopards jump from a tree attacking an alligator in the water and he will grab it and they'll fight they'll thrash around he'll come out with it in his jaw and he'll take it to the bank and climb up a tree unbelievable strength in that creature that that predator animal the big cat the leopard well just like they are there are in that landscape all kinds of animals looking to get something to eat. In the spiritual landscape, there are people around looking to creep through the grass, get their prey, which is a Christian or a non-Christian, and give them their false doctrine and false teachings. And so Paul warns against that. He warns about these people. In 2 John says this, uh, 2 John 1.10, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. Now that verse is saying, when someone is a false teacher with false doctrine, he says, once you discern that, do not invite him into your home, give him a banana sandwich with peanut butter or, or something. Don't give him a, a cold spam sandwich. Give him one that's deep fried. Uh, don't receive him into your house. In other words, don't accept him as if he is a Christian. And don't say, God bless you. Hope you do well. I hope you get some converts in your, on your knocking on doors, Jehovah's Witness. No, no. He says, don't receive them. Don't bless them because they give them false doctrine. Then here's another verse I want to pass on to you. Romans 16, 17. A warning to not digest false doctrine or not to eat and swallow. Don't chew and swallow false teaching. He says in 16, 17 of Romans. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. Notice this says, brethren, talking to saved people, do something with those men and women who cause divisions and offenses contrary against the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. You have a stern warning about don't, don't fellowship with people who don't believe the Bible, 
Don't fellowship with those who are in a cult that will teach false doctrines about salvation and uh, other things that are important. Don't, don't, don't. Avoid them. Mark them. What does the marking them mean? We know what avoid them means. We know what the contrary to the doctrine means. But what does marking them mean? Does this say get a can of spray paint spray on their forehead? Antichrist? No. What does the marking them mean? When you mark something, what is the purpose of marking something? What's the purpose of putting a label on something? You ever put stuff in your freezer, you ladies, and you forget what it is six months later? Or you forget how long you put it in the freezer? Sometimes that happens to us. We got stuff in the freezer, and we forget about it. You know how that goes, right? You buy stuff, put it in the back, and then you get shoved to the back, and pretty soon you forget about it. Now it's been a year, and you're going through things, and you pull this out. Oh, what is this? Oh, it's a piece of ham from Thanksgiving from three years ago. What? Well, you don't know it's a piece of ham unless it looks like a piece of ham, but then if you mark the, the Ziploc bag, the freezer bag, you know exactly when you put it in, you know exactly what it is. It's a good feeling. You mark something to identify something. Why do cereal have names on the boxes? Because a box is just a box and that is, it is colored, printed on in a certain way with Cheerios. Well, you know, it's Cheerios or it's Kellogg's Corn Flakes. You know, Kellogg's Corn Flakes is so expensive nowadays. And if you're trying to get Walmart Corn Flakes, it's a little bit cheap, but it's hard to find them sometimes. For several months, no Kellogg's Corn Flakes or no uh, house brand, Walmart brand Corn Flakes. No best, good, what's that best buy? Um, good, great value Corn Flakes. So um, if it's not marked, you don't know what you're getting. So he says, mark these false teachers who teach false doctrines so that people know that they are false teachers. He said, don't be shy about that. Just make it known that you identify these false teachers. Why? Because if you, if you say, well, they're just Christians of a different kind of viewpoint, then they'll go to somebody else. They'll come in somebody else to believe a lie. So he says, mark them. Mark them. Let people know. You yourself avoid them and mark them so that they are identified as false teachers. Okay, so this is pretty serious information over here that Paul gives uh, to those that he would like to protect. All right, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. So in the last days, perilous times will come, shall come, and part of that will be rejecting what the Bible says. A long time ago, people accepted what the Bible says without question. Now they doubt it more than, any, more than ever. A long time ago, people feared what the Bible said. Nowadays, they don't fear anything. Uh, when my, what is, Nathan, what is uh, Melissa, my sister-in-law? Melissa was about five years old. Her mom, her mom, her dad, they lived in a house in North Carolina. They had a tin, a tin uh, garage, tin roof of the garage. One day it hailed, H-A-I-L-E-D, it hailed. Ice fell from the sky the size of marbles. And you can hear it go pop, 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 and it hit the cars all over where it fell. It would dent the cars and you know, crack windshields and so on. It's coming down from the sky, ice. And you would, we'd come out, we see this, all this hail coming down. And Randy, he would say, look mom, oh man, look mom, it's hailing out here. And Melissa, when she was five, she thought her dad said, it's hell out here instead of hail. And she got scared because she heard the word hell in her head. It was hell coming out. Look, mom, it's hell out here. She got scared. She ran into her room. It used to be people were afraid respect of the Bible, but now they're not scared anymore. Uh, who cares about that? I'm tough. I can do anything. And so false teachers will make people uh, not afraid of something they should be afraid of. All right. Titus 1.9, he says, holding fast. I haven't got to the real point tonight. Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. The importance of sound doctrine, sound teaching, is that it will correct the error. It'll straighten out what is crooked. It'll make, you, make clear what is unclear. It'll give light, it'll give liberty, give freedom to those who are in darkness. And so correct error, rebuke false doctrine with sound doctrine. Now, I want to come to another thing here. He says in 
2 Timothy 3, verse number 14. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, sound doctrine, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now, let me say something about verse number 14. Paul is saying, look, look, I want you to not forget, I want you to not forget, Timothy, sound doctrine, because of who taught it to you. I want you to never forget what I taught you. I don't want you to forget what your mother taught you, what your grandmother taught you. I don't want you to forget the people who taught you the Bible. They want you to know the truth and they gave you the truth and don't ever forget that. Don't stray from what you were taught. Sometimes people will abandon a church after so many years because they were persuaded by some false teacher that came through on a circus and uh, had a great show or whatever and uh, was very charismatic and very appealing and then they abandoned their church to go follow this so-called ministry because their teaching sounds so great, so fantastic. I never heard that before. That's awesome. That's great. And Paul is saying, continue down the things which thou hast learned, thou doctrine, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So would, would your pastor of so many years teach you false things? No. He taught you the right things, so don't stray from that. See, be faithful, be loyal to that, and don't go chasing after things that sound good, but really, it's not. Everything that's, you don't just put poison in uh, somebody's um, mug to drink. You have to disguise it with something like, uh, you know, something that they like to drink. And the most dangerous kinds of poisons are those that are odorless and tasteless. You just don't know what you get. You think it's, you're drinking Coke, but you're not. Well, you are. You're drinking Coke with the thing that's going to kill you. And uh, in the life of a spy or the counter-spy, all this espionage thing, it's really a dangerous lifestyle because you just don't know what you're drinking or what you're eating. And in the old days, in Bible days even, you had people, uh, like, in the, like in Joseph of the Old Testament, uh, Potiphar trusted Joseph for everything except the kitchen. <laughs> he would not trust him with the food and the meal that was served him because you never can tell who's after uh, to assass assassinate you. And so you always protected and had people you really trusted to offer you drink and food. And I kind of joke about Joseph, you know, but um, that is the idea of ancient times because of the way you assassinate someone by poisoning them or hiding in a closet and just say, oh, come over here. And then you, your friends, and then you this guy stabs him in the gut, you know, like um, Caesar. Oh, Brutus, you too, Brutus, you too, Brutus. And uh, totally deceived. But um, a church should be known for what it believes. And so when it comes to sound doctrine, when you think about the association of a church and what it teaches, you should know what the church teaches. You should know what you believe. And people should know what the church believes and what you believe. And so a church should be known for what it believes and what it stands for. Uh, the word Baptist is a good word. <laughs> Now, there's many kinds of Baptists. There's Southern Baptists, Independent Baptists, Free Will Baptists, uh, many kinds of Baptists. Do you know a Free Will Baptist Church? Free Will Baptist Church sounds like it's a good thing, but the Free Will Baptist Church believes you can lose your salvation and you have to get saved again. That's a Free Will Baptist. In the South, in North Carolina, Virginia, there's plenty of Free Will Baptist Churches, and the name Free Will Baptist identifies what they believe. But it sounds like all, all Baptist churches are the same. A Southern Baptist Church is not the same thing as an Independent Baptist Church. Hawaii has over 60 Southern Baptist Churches, maybe more, on all the islands. And uh, they don't all believe the same on some things. Basically, they would say they believe the Bible, that would be true. Basically, we would say they're evangelists, that would be true. They want to see people get saved. But when it comes to Bibles and Bible translations and other things of, of, of worship, they have a variety of styles that they do. Some are very contemporary, some are very, very cold and very formal. But uh, you know what the Baptists believe generally? Independent Baptist Church, there's many different kinds of them, too many different stripes of them, but basically they don't believe the same thing. And so a church, Baptist, the word Baptist has some, has some connection to many things. The word Baptist has some things attached to it. For example, when someone says, oh, I go to a Baptist church, what comes to their mind when they hear the word Baptist church? Let's say you're among charismatic people or Pentecostal people or some kind of a group setting or a gathering of many different kinds of Christians and churches because it's, uh, it's an anti-abortion rally and you, you want to support that. But uh, oh, what church do you go to? I go to a charismatic church. Okay, already you know what they believe. 
I go to a Pentecostal church, already you should know what they believe. I go to a Baptist church. You know what comes to people's mind when you say, I go to a Baptist church? They say boring compared to a charismatic Pentecostal church because they're very emotional and, you know, and everything's louder and everything's, you know. And so there's some connections to uh, certain words. And so Baptist, it means no fun to people. Well, that's not really true. Sometimes it means Baptist judgmental. We're always pointing things wrong with things. <laughs> uh, well, they don't speak in tongues. Well, okay, that'd be true. Uh, they want to win souls. Well, that'd be true. They sing from hymn books. That'd be true. Oh, boring because they don't have screens where they have choruses. Okay, so in other words, I'm trying to explain that a word, a church, a person, there's something that connected to him. There's some attachment to him when a certain word is said. Well, I go to an independent Baptist church. Well, what should happen is someone should say, oh yeah, I've heard about them. They're pretty nice people. That's what should be said. Mm -hmm. Or it could be said, yeah, they're so rude down there. Mm -hmm. That could be said too. Or they could say, yeah, oh what? The one on Leha, or the one the elevator was breaking? <laughs> that could be true too. Or the one that, uh, yeah, they, uh, yeah, okay. You see, there's things attached to the word Baptist. And so I'm trying to say, you should know what you believe. People should know what you believe. The church you belong to, you should know what the church believes. There should be no surprises. What? They spoke in tongues on Wednesday night? That's not our church. We don't, you see? What? They taught the Bible again on Wednesday? Well, that's expected, see? And so that's a good thing in that way. Oh, we're anti-trans. Or they're anti-trans or they're homophobic. Well, sometimes the charges do stick because some churches are so strong against certain things. And, uh, oh, they're fundamentalist. Well, that's a good word, fundamentalist. Oh, they're so fundamental. That's a good word. When you cook, are you fundamental when you cook? Of course you are. You're sure that the hamburger's cooked. When you cook pork, are you fundamental when you cook pork? Of course you do. You cook it right because temperature means it's going to be cooked. You get sick or not. All right, so um, you, should, you should be known for what you believe. And if you have a consistent testimony, people should know what you believe as well. And the way you carry yourself, it all has a part about how it affects other people. All right? Now, sound doctrine, I already explained what sound doctrine means. And so Psalm 119, look at this verse with me. <clears throat> Psalm 119 and verse number 8. I am now finally going to get to my point. All that was the introduction, believe it or not. Believe it because I just said so. Psalm 119, verse number 80. First one to get it, raise your hand. Joseph, would you read it out loud, please? Let my heart be sound in my statutes, that I might, uh, that I be not ashamed. I heard that loud and clear. Thank you, sir. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I may not be ashamed. Sound doctrine, sound teaching. It gives you confidence. It gives you uh, strength to stand on. You have some... You have some, you have some, well, the word is confidence through life. Now, uh, knowing the truth will set you free. Knowing the Bible and doctrines will give you a sense of peace, a sense of everything's under control because know what the Bible says. Uh, it'll keep you from believing error. Agent Rogers said this, nothing ruins the truth like stretching it, <laughs> which is very true. Nothing ruins the truth like stretching it. So when you know the truth and you stick to it, you won't stretch it. You won't go for things that are not quite true. Um, it is better to be divided by the truth than united in error. The truth will set you free. But sometimes people, in the name of doing something good, they will compromise so that something good can happen. But the, the quote here is, it is better to be divided by the truth because truth does separate. Can two walk together unless they be in agreed? No. Can um, a quick example? Can two walk together unless they be agreed? Can a mule and a horse plow together? They're unequally yoked. Cannot. Can a rabbit and a mule work together? Can a lion and a hippo work together? I don't think so. Can a polar bear and a walrus work together? I don't think so. They're not compatible. So, can truth and error co
coexist in an organization? It cannot if it's a church. It cannot if it's a Christian ministry. It can if it is a business, because the business is just going, you clock and you go to work. Who cares what this guy believes next to you? He could be Hindu, he could be Muslim, it doesn't matter. He's just doing your job, his job, and you're doing your job, right? It doesn't matter. There's no bearing on anything because you're just working. But if it's a church matter, it's a totally different animal because you're grounded in the Word of God under the headship of Christ. And how can that be if this guy's got a Buddhist mindset, this guy's got a um, uh, Hindu, it's, it's not, it can't work. <laughs> it cannot work. All right? Uh, Billy Graham uh, did want to see people get saved on a mass, massive scale. And the, the fault that you find, and you got to be careful about criticizing Billy Graham because he did sincerely want to see people get saved. But he invited Roman Catholic churches to participate in crusades. And then those who came forth to get saved, they would go to the sponsoring churches. So if you had Baptist, Presbyterian, Mennonite, Catholic, Charismatic, then uh, oh, what church? What church? Oh, I go to, okay, okay, send it back to the Catholic Church. Well, that's not a good thing. And so the compromise there was in the name of doing something good, but the compromise really caused a lot of fallout. And it wasn't a good thing to send someone back to a false doctrine. He had to come to hear and preach to get saved, but he was a member of the Catholic Church for 40 years. Well, how come he didn't hear the gospel in that, in that Catholic Church for 40 years? How come you have to hear Billy Graham preach the gospel to get saved? Now you're going to send him back over here where he didn't get the gospel? You're going to send him back over here? So a lot of problems with that one. And so the truth will set you free. And uh, compromise is a bad thing. But a church should be known by what it teaches. And a subtle problem with the truth. And here it comes. All of that is to say this, this last two minutes. The subtle problem that I see about knowing the truth and believing the truth is that sometimes Christians can become very mechanical about it. Very, very robotic about it. Everybody's talking about AI, artificial intelligence. Some people need artificial intelligence because they got none. But the problem that we have with uh, knowing the truth and being firm about that is there's a tendency for the Christian to become pretty mechanical and pretty heartless about things. So the problem that I see is he becomes heartless and he becomes harsh. Heartless and harsh. Because he knows the truth and he has the answer to every false teaching. He can rattle off the verses. He can turn to the Bible and show them in yellow highlighted verses. He can show them exactly what's wrong with their teaching and everything else too. And it would be necessary to know the truth. You can confront the truth and correct the truth if possible. But then there's a bad attitude that comes with it. It's the mechanical, harsh, heartless attitude that people can have in knowing the truth. Uh, if, if someone told you, as an example, if someone told you something that you need to hear that was good and truthful for you, but they're mean about that, would you likely do what they said to do even though it was the truth that they said, but they were mean about it? Let, let's say um, you go to a dentist. I've been to several dentists in my life, and I, there's some favorites, and there's some that I wish I never met. But some of them, dentists that I like was the ones who are really good, they know what they're doing, but they're very gentle with me. I tell them the first thing I say, look, I'm a gagger. I'm a gagger. I gag easily. So when you do the x-ray things, when you put that thing way back, bite wing kind of thing way back, you have to be careful because I'm gonna gag. And if they say this to me, okay, okay, Mr. Ching, uh, I'll be very gentle, I'll be very quick. Okay, watch now. Okay, as soon as the princess, I'm gonna run and push the butt, take and be very still, take a deep breath, and I'll be back real fast. Okay, and they do that, just before I gag, they come out and relieve that. Oh, I like them. And when they do the cleaning part, I say to them, now I have, you know, the way my teeth are, there's gaps between them, and then they're real tight, and then there's opening. And so food gets stuck in there all the time. I gotta floss it up. I say, when you floss the teeth, you know, when you when you have to fight to get to that tight spot, don't keep pushing because you're gonna cause my gum to bleed. They say, oh, I understand, I'll be very careful. And they go, they're very gentle. They'll say, how's that? I say, I love you. I'm in love with you. They're so good. Can I stay here and do some more? Can I stay another half an hour? Now, they're doing their job, but they're very gentle with it. So do you see a parallel here? When you tell the truth, you cannot be a robot and say, okay, you, Jobunis, you're gonna help, boom. You, Jobunis, you don't have the right Bible, boom. Knock them down. It's not the purpose of the Christian to knock people down. 
Now you want to be able to give them truth so that they accept it and that you may never reach them, but at least you want to give them a chance to believe. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Well, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, which is a very true statement. The people you and I gravitate to are people who care and they know the truth. The people you and I like are the ones who know the truth, but they're very wise in how they give the truth. And that's the whole point. Wisdom in handling the truth. Wisdom in giving out the truth. You can't just get a shotgun and blow everybody away with a shotgun. Sometimes you need a scope, sometimes you need a single round. You, you can't just go machine gun, machine gun, mowing down everyone with a machine gun. And you have to be careful about that. Let's say you're in church, you get vexed out about what something, what someone said, and you, you want to repeat how he said it and the way he said it. You want to tell the truth and just the same with that this guy said it, and you're excited about that because he got a good reaction, you want to have a good reaction too. And so you kind of mimic what that person said, and you did it really wrong because that person at that time did not need you to mow him down. He needed you to put your hand around him and tell him the truth in a kind way. So that's that factor too. You cannot just copy someone's style of, of telling the truth because it's, it's not going to fit for everybody. You know, Jude talks about some having compassion making a difference, others say with fear. So there is this, tell the truth, but this person is really hard of hearing, don't scream at him. This person really had a hard time. Be kind to this guy and give him the truth. This guy, man, he's a hell's angel biker. Just tell him plainly what he needs to know. There's those things going on. So applying the truth needs a little bit of wisdom and you need to have a little bit of um, uh, understanding about how people are. And hopefully they will accept the truth because they accept you. Now, as soon as I say something like that, there are gonna be some real fundamentalists, real fundamental, real Bible-believing people that'll say, that's a compromise. The Bible says rebuke with all long stuff. Okay, you know, whatever, but I'm just gonna tell you that when you work with people and deal with people for, for a while, you know that people have things going on in their minds when you talk with them. And most people who get saved are not gonna get saved just because you gave them the truth. It was preceded by other people witnessing to them or other things leading up to that person wanting to get saved. There's some seed that's been planted and some watering and so on. But most people who are normal, they and if they have some respect for you, they will tend to believe what you say. Do you know that um, the Mormons had a technique of reaching people? They still do, I think. They go around neighborhoods and you see tall grass in the yard, they say, we go, uh, hi, we're uh, from the Church of Jesus Christ from Latter-day Saints down the road over here and uh, we just happened to walking by and we saw that your grass is kind of tall. And uh, do you have someone to cut your grass? And they'll offer to cut the grass. Well, that's a nice thing. Of course, you're all suspicious. What do you want? What are you after? That's how people think. But uh, they did that and they, they said up front, well, you just want to be a good neighbor. Okay, sure. You mean no charge? No charge. We had a neighbor that they cut the grass about four times. And they got to talk to him in his driveway, uh, in his carport, about the Book of Mormon so on eventually because he was so impressed by their kindness. Of course, the truth was not there. They were te teaching something that's not in the Bible. But the fact that they had an ear and open doors because they did something that was kind. And so what I'm trying to explain to you is that we have to have some wisdom to apply the truth. And it takes different kinds of ways to catch fish, not just one way. And we want to catch fish. We want to be wise about the truth too, okay? Um, let me just close by telling you this. Um, some people, some people are so aggressive in their witnessing, the first thing out of their mouth they meet a stranger is, if you die right now, would you go to heaven? I said, what? <laughs> and uh, they're, they're ultra aggressive. Okay, commendable for the zeal, but F for wisdom. F for wisdom. F for wisdom. All right? Some people sit on an airplane, the first thing they do is give somebody a track for sleeping. Hey, wake up, I read this. <laughs> but you know, if you do that, if this guy growls at you with his bad breath, you deserve it. <laughs> because you're rude and unkind. You were thoughtless, you were not wise. 
And if somebody wants to listen to you, uh, just you know, mind you, be patient. Be patient. You can't. You can't win everyone you talk to right away. It rarely happens. And uh, so, but you do want opportunities for things. And you want to be wise in how you say things and wise in giving up the truth. Okay. So, I wish I could talk more about that and continue this this thought because it's leading me to think about now we should we should think about the best way to do certain things like witnessing or giving the truth out in different situations. But uh, I'm laying down a foundation to tell you that we need to have some wisdom with the truth. Believe the truth. Believe the truth. Know what you believe. Don't change it. Don't don't stray from it. Don't be persuaded to believe other things. Stick to the truth. And as you have a chance to give up the truth, be very wise about it. Be considerate of people's feelings. Be considerate of their feelings. Be considerate of the context in which you're talking. I'll close with this funny thing, which is not so funny, but it's funny because it's one not intended to be funny. This this guy, um, Christian Barber, you know, you know, sometimes in the barbershop down Kali, Kali or downtown, they have the, the razor blade, the real one that you drop, you know, to make sharp. They put the cream over here, pull the skin back, and you know, they collect that. I always was afraid of these Filipino guys, man. They were just, you know, they're talking to each other in, in Tagalog or something. And, what are you guys talking about? You know? And so you never want to make a barber angry at the very beginning. You want to wait to the end after you're out of the chair. You know, and this Christian's so zealous, he wants to tell people all how to get his fired up, which is a good thing. He's shaving this guy and he says, Hey, hey. Uh, let me ask you this question. If you die right now, would you go to heaven? You got a you got a blade, you got a raised blade to my throat. You ask me a question, if I die right now, would I go to heaven? Well, in his sincerity and zeal, he may not be thinking that this is kind of odd, <laughs> awkward, you know. That's just an example of how we should be wise and how we uh, give out the truth. Believe it, but be careful how you dispense it. Okay? Sometimes you turn the stick on a little bit. Sometimes you turn on full blast. Got to be careful what you're pouring into the container, all that kind of thing, all right? The container represents somebody and their background and um, what they've been through and how sensitive they are. Maybe they met some Christian before that was very mean to them, and now you're another one of them? Oh, no, this guy's really nice. Oh, he's not like the others. Maybe I'll give this guy a chance to tell me something. You never know. So be considerate for people and their feelings and know the truth, give the truth, but be cautious and wise how you give it out, okay? All right? Okay. I told you it may not apply to anything tonight, but maybe it did. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible. Help us to be wise in how we handle it. It's a two-edged sword. Help us to handle it carefully. In Jesus' name, amen.